Today on Tax Justice Warriors, the focus is on persuasive writing, how you can use writing to influence and garner sympathy with the audience, that perhaps you can use that to meet your client's goals. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. On today's episode, I am turning to persuasive writing, as I am coming down to the last couple episodes with regard to the tax procedure course at Washburn University School of Law. Now, I wanted to speak to the law students and really drive home the connections between legal writing that arguments and support need to go hand in hand, that these have very good connections to law school exams, They are used in court arguments and correspondence-based advocacy. Then going with the types of support, certainly there is the law and there are the facts that go along in connection with the law. But as I go through these different examples, that they are solid examples that can be used within either a legal career or that can be used in making arguments before the IRS or other places where you are trying to be persuasive. Now, to begin with, I noticed in doing different legal clinics in my law school days at Washburn and University of Missouri, Kansas City, that I did advocacy for clients before the government. So, Definitely correspondence-based advocacy is something that I kind of developed as a term over time that there is a good amount of persuasion and argument for a client that needs to be done when discussing with the government that you may not have a forum other than putting together a set of documents trying to make a good package and sending it to a recipient within that government department. You may not know specifically who will receive that paperwork. So I always try and make it as clean and easy to follow as possible. In my cover letter, I spell out different elements that I am trying to persuade on or I mark exhibits and tab them and refer to them from my notes so that a person should be able to walk down the line, see where an exhibit is referred to, and be able to go to the tab and easily find that proof that is supporting the element that I am trying to persuade on. So I first started doing this when it came to Violence Against Women Act, that these were women who had been abused but were eligible under a specific exception to apply for a green card. So at Washburn Law School, we were putting together application packets on behalf of those individuals 
to try and get them advanced in their immigration status. Then when I did the tax clinic at the UMKC Law School Tax Clinic, then I also saw that this was an area where we were trying to put together packages and persuade the person at the IRS that here are our arguments and these are the exhibits we are using as evidence to support our arguments that hopefully they are going hand in hand and it has been my goal in these last recent years as a tax clinic director to try and put together overwhelming evidence kind of a pile of paperwork so that when a person starts going through the paperwork that they are overwhelmed by what they see and easily say yes this person qualifies and move my client on through so I am not sure how many areas of law this applies to but certainly tax immigration social security generally areas where you are dealing with the government that they have spelled out certain elements that would qualify for relief that you put those together create a package and mail it in to the government and I always say it is worth sending it in certified or some other way that you can track that your package has been received it's not a matter of whether you trust the government or not it is a matter of you do not want to lose your case just because something got lost in the mail and so you want to be able to have proof as well to say yes it was received on this date if they lost it within their organization that is their fault and something that they would have to deal with but you want to be able to defeat their argument that it was never shipped or received if you do have that proof. So I had been talking about trial recently and this also applies to bar exams or different law school exams. Basically anytime that you are making an assertion you want to be able to back it up with proof and this would also be certainly something that could apply to a law review article that it is worthwhile to think about it that anytime you're making a statement you want to be able to back it up now when I was studying for my bar exams it kind of crystallized with me just how clearly it needed to be where I was making those assertions and then following it up with proof so in law school to some degree they teach different formulas like the IRAC method or the CRAC method IRAC is I-R-A-C so issue rule analysis or application and conclusion and CRAC is just a conclusion rule analysis or application and conclusion so in law school I used the IRAC method pretty often issue rule analysis and conclusion where you state the problem at the beginning 
you state the rule, you take your fact pattern or your question and analyze it and apply the rule to the facts and you come to your conclusion. So an example would be that my client Miss X qualifies for the earned income tax credit or as an issue does she qualify for that credit the rule you state the elements so one element I'm going to state is that whether a child lived with the client for six months out of the year or not then in applying that her daughter lived with her for the entire year so in conclusion she meets that element toward qualifying for the earned income tax credit so if there are several elements you would go through all of them and come to a sum total that even if elements are weak I would still say my client qualifies for the earned income tax credit because you do not want to show your hand and give something away when sending it in that you want to build up your hand as best you can and let the person on the other end make the decision whether you are correct or not. Now when I did legal writing for H&R Block at the Tax Institute we used the CRAC method where we would say at the beginning yes or no the client qualifies for the specific credit present the rule give analysis and then sum up in conclusion with the thinking that the person receiving the answer may just want to read at the beginning the fast answer yes or no but if they wanted to read further then they would have the full analysis below now one of the tips I learned when studying for the bar exam is that you want to use linking words like because when you are going through on the analysis so if you're saying that our client Ms. X qualifies for the earned income tax credit you'd say because she meets specific elements like the residency test and the various other elements so you would state your item and follow it up with a because and give the specific facts in support so you would be showing that proof each time that you want to make sure that you're giving a reason and not just saying client Ms. X qualifies for the earned income tax credit without showing any follow-up reason why that is. Now overall, something else that we learn in legal writing is you want to paint a picture in words about your client. You want to make them out to be as best you can in providing a sympathetic picture for them. So there are times that I throw in facts about the client that may not necessarily relate to whether they qualify for something or not but I hope will create sympathy for the client and help tip the scales so that they 
person reading the paperwork is persuaded. So for example, if the client has medical issues, listing those, saying whether they are able to pay all of their bills or not, whether they are having issues with getting food or other necessities, how many people live in their house, what the person's age is, or any other facts that you think might persuade the person reading in order to build some sympathy for your client and overall show that it would be bad policy for the IRS or what other area to deny the client by looking like a big bully or something like that with regard to the client. So overall, any position you are in that does advocacy, definitely the low-income taxpayer clinics, but a lot of other tax controversy positions or other applicable areas of work, specifically working with tax or the government, it is necessary to do persuasive writing and try and let them know more about your client, that this is a human person that we are dealing with, someone that we should have empathy for, and not just blindly applying some kind of policy against them. So I think this would be useful to you no matter what stage of your career that you are in. It is always a good career tool to think about how we are doing our writing. So I think this has been a good practice tip reminder, and I want to thank you for tuning in once again to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.